0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a high fly ball to left field. Back is the left fielder, going back, back, jump! it's
1: It takes a pretty significant performance to win MVP in the series when your team doesn't even win that series. That describes the famous Jeffrey Leonard one-flap-down series in the 1987 NLCS against St. Louis. He lit the fire between both teams and both cities and solidified his place as a forever giant. We go inside Jeffrey Leonard's Giant Moments now. Now, now, now. This is Inside Giant Moments. Presented by T-Mobile, our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the
2: stories, and the joy.
1: Hackman, the great Jeffrey Leonard, joins the Inside Giant Moments podcast. This is one I'm really looking forward to. Uh, to, to, to do it. I, I mean, you were uh, you were one of my favorites as I uh, became a Giants fan. Jeffrey, how are
0: you? I uh, appreciate that, Mark. I'm doing fine, man. I'm doing good.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. You know, as I really kind of dive into to looking at your story, one thing jumped out, and I, I wanted to know how you even ended up in baseball. You had a ton of football scholarship offers. You had some basketball offers nothing in baseball, and you weren't drafted, yet you end up in baseball. How'd that happen?
0: (laughs) I've always played baseball. I mean, you know, my father had me uh, playing baseball since I was five. Um, It was something that I could do. You know, he trained me very, very, very well. And uh, by the time I was 11, I was playing on 12, 14 teams and, you know, and so forth. Um, He would never let me play at my original age group when we first started because I remember being 10 years old, and I wanted to play with the kids, man. (laughs) And he had me playing 12, 14 ball. So the very first year, uh, I, I actually sat on the bench. I never played one game. He just had me sitting there watching the games. So after the games were over, you know, I had to go out and slide in the dirt and get all dirty and go home like I played, but I didn't play a inning. Any. <laughs> anyway, the following year, um, uh, <laughs> the following year um, I was 11, so he put me on the team, you know, and then I started at shortstop. And um, you know, I had a little slack, you know. Some of the older kids were, you know, saying that I only was playing because my father was the coach. But after a few games, you know, watching me play. Um, All those things that went away. So my father prepared me well. But, you know, as I said, um, I always played baseball. I mean, when I got to junior high, excuse me, uh, you know, I played football on the street. You know, I always played basketball a little bit, but I didn't really love it. And then as I got a little bit older and then I went to high school, I only played football on a dare. <laughs> really? So only, yeah, so they dared me because you know I was pretty good on the street, but they said, "Well, you can't even do that on a real field. You're afraid to get hit." I go, "Really? All right." So then I tried out for the football team. <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny you mentioned it because I can remember the very first day was was hitting, and he had in in event had two lines of you know kids facing you know facing one another. And he goes, uh, okay, the, the line on the right are going to hit the line on the left. And I kind of like went, huh? <laughs> He's <pretty> going <laughs> to hit me. I had to learn how to take this in. So when he hit me, it, you know, it, it, it really wasn't that bad. And now I said, oh, okie dokie. So I had to really think that. But anyway, it went <laughs> along, went along, went along. And I ended up, um, you know, making the team as, as the tight end. And um, I ran the kickoff returns and the punt returns. So, actually, one day I um, uh, was playing, and they called an audible, Blue 88. And that was for me to do a little quick slant across the middle of the field. And, you know, I did it. I caught the ball. And uh, the next thing I knew, I was on the sideline looking up at my coach. And he was like, you know, oh. asking me, you know, where was I? How many fingers am I holding up and all of that? And I go, what happened? He said, well, you
2: got knocked out."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I laid there, man, and I told him right at that moment, I said, okay. So now I'm close. I'm going both ways. There's no way I'm going to let somebody hit me like that, and I can't hit them back. So that particular week, I, um, I ended up taking the outside left linebacker's job so then I went both ways, and then the rest is history. I mean, I I, I absolutely fell in love with the game, and uh, that's the short version. I really loved football. My father hated me playing it. He only came to one game uh, in three years. But uh, that's that's how it all started, you know. And I I I I really loved it.
1: So were there were there times, were there days, weeks, and months where you thought? Maybe you were going to do football and and not baseball. I know your dad was a player, and so maybe that was his vision, but how did that all play out?
0: Well, um, right after that, you know, I I started getting into basketball. I had no idea that I could jump that high, so that kind of came out. And I was like, oh, boy, this game is easy. And um, so I started playing (laughs) basketball, hooked up to someone, and – but. Football. I fell in love with football, so my mindset was to go to college and play on both. Um, at that time, I was going to go, for, you know, play, uh, try to play both, you know, football or baseball or basketball or baseball, or one of the two. I mean, the no, two of the three. That was my actual plan. And um, and what happened was the uh, Philadelphia Phillies kept coming around, you know, and and and, and scouting me and all that and. You know, long story short, you know, it kind of broke my heart because they, they kind of promised me that they were going to draft me, you know, number one, blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of like, okay. But in my mind, I was always thinking about, you know, attending college and, you know, and playing, you know, lettering them both sports. And anyway, the, um, the draft didn't go my way. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even in the, in the draft. And I was like, right. oh my God, really? And, you know, it was a lot of political stuff. You know, I, I don't need to get into all that. But um, it it really left me in a bad place. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I had other avenues to travel. And what actually happened was I um, uh, I was playing American. No, my last game of high school baseball, this, this old, fragile man just walked up to me. I was sitting on the bench, and he asked me, he said, you yeah, know, I'm so-and-so, uh, what are your plans? Do you plan on going to college and play football or basketball? I, mean, I, I turn around. And I said, well, you know, I'm really going to go. And so then he reaches in his pocket and he hands me a card. And he goes, oh, well, this is my card. Can you let me know if you're going to play a regular ball as well? I go, I am. Could you please send me your schedule? I go, yeah, yeah. Right on, buddy. So I, put, I put the card in, <laughs> in, in, in my baseball pants. I didn't think a thing about it. So that was the last game. So we had to hand in all of the stuff. So I handed in, you know, my uniform, blah, blah, blah. And a little bit of time had gone by. And one day I just happened to talk to to my father, and I mentioned it to him. I said, you know, oh, yeah, Dad, let me tell you, uh, my Dodger Scout uh, came out and talked to me a little bit. And he said, whoa, 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 a Dodger Scout? And I said, yeah. And he said, he gave me a card. Where's the card? I put it in my baseball pants. So we called up Coach <laughs> Bojanikar. We went to high, you know, went back to the high school, went in the locker room. They hadn't even moved the uniforms. It was one big stack of dirty uniforms. I had to go through all that. I find the card. <laughs> I give the card to my father. My father calls the scout. The scout comes all the way back to Philadelphia, and he watched one of my American Legion games. And he, you know, he wasn't talking to me at the game, and uh, he wasn't giving me, like, you know, a quick little tryout. And uh, so I, you know, I took a lot of ground balls at shortstop, I took some fly balls in the center, and I took batting practice. And then he offered me the contract. So wow. my dilemma, wow. my dilemma was, my dilemma was, I said, Dad, you do know that we have to go back home to tell Mom, because my mother wanted me to go right. to college. So we, right. we had an issue with this. <laughs> and my father said, No, 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 you're gonna sign, you're gonna sign. I go, oh man, really? And that's like so, so. That's how it happened. I signed, and uh, that's the way I signed. That is exactly how.
1: Wow. I signed. And that's how it went down. So were you,
0: uh,
1: were you already signed when you did tell
0: mom? <laughs> I, I had already signed. He okay. Signed right there so, at the ballpark <laughs> on the bench, and he <laughs> he gave me his oh. glove. And uh, a pet on the back and still, you know, good luck. And, you, know, you know, I'll be keeping contact and da, da 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 You know, all that. So, you know, I was happy as a lot. But at the same time, I knew we had to go. And the next five or ten minutes, I'm going to be home. And we're going to have to tell wow. my mother. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so how'd that go? Uh, how'd she react? Um,
0: I think in front of me, she, you know, she did her best, to, you know, to, to actually be really, really happy. But I'm pretty sure there was something going on in their bedroom because they went into the bedroom they had to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I went out I I yeah, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone. But um right. you know, as it transpired and everything, uh, her biggest regret was that she he always thought that, you know, our time together was short and she didn't have a time, you know, the time that she thought, you know, to raise me and to prepare me for, you know, life outside of Philadelphia and, and all of that. But, you know, in, in reality, she did a better job than, than she thought. But um, that was her main worry, her main concern. And, um, you know, the, you know, and then, you know, the, doing the numbers game, you know, uh, how hard it would be to, you know, to become a mentally ball player and all that. But, um, I just told her, I said, I'm willing to take that chance. I'm, I'm willing to go for it. So at, from that point, you know, my whole entire family, you know, were behind me.
1: Mm. And, uh, of course, become a big leaguer, you did. You you spent some time there with the Dodgers, not a lot. It was then the Astros where you had a little bit more time. And I know that when you were with the Astros, you wanted out. And maybe you weren't getting along with the manager. You've said – before that the day you were traded to san francisco changed your life how so
0: yes it did i mean you know i went to the astros first of all i was a player to be named later so the dodgers made a big trade (laughs) before Ferguson, and they left the door wide open in those days the dodgers was you know our farm system was really really good so anyway i was shocked hurt i was I, i was destroyed when astros picked me I was like, oh, my goodness, really? Because, you know, at that time, I actually thought that I was going to be a Dodger. But anyway, so I go to Houston. I had a pretty good rookie year. I led all my outfielders on my team, hitting and so on, but I came off the bench to do it. So so they ended up trading Bob Boston from, you know, who who plays first base to make room for me and put Cesar Daniel on first and put me in center. So... That was an honor all in itself. So I had a you know a pretty good year. So the following season, Bill Burton uh, actually talked to me about, well, you know, Cesar wants to go back to center field and, and you know, and we want you to do the same thing you did last year, come off the bench so you know, I w I wasn't having it. So from that day on, the friction began and it just it, it, it just spiraled. So we ended up in 1980. We're playing the, the Phillies in the championship to, to go to the World Series, and I'm not getting a lot of playing time. And long story short, we, we ended up losing game seven. So we're in the clubhouse, and it, you know everybody's crying and you know all upset. And, uh, you know, uh, Rosen and uh, uh, Tony Siegel, and everybody, you know, they're stopping at everybody, you know, everyone's locker. When they came to my locker, I just pulled them flat out. I go, I don't care what kind of deal you make. Whatever deal you make, just throw me in it. I want out of here. <laughs> I told him, I, I wow. just straightforward put me in a deal to get me out of here. So the following season comes. Um, my first, I don't know, 16, 17 with a pitch hit. I was, oh, I was, oh, I was, oh, I was so angry. <laughs> and um, one day, Bill Burden calls me in the office. He says, close the door. I go, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and he, he goes, uh, you finally got the witch. I said, I did? He goes, yeah, you got traded. I go, oh, oh, oh. So then I go, well, where am I going? And he says, San Francisco. And I was like, I probably fell on the floor, man. I was like, whoa. Because, you know, uh, <laughs> it is just. A lot of stuff just flashed, man. My childhood and, you know, uh, going to Connie Mack, studying them all of the time and sitting through batting practice. And it seemed like the Giants hit more more batting practice home runs than any team. I had a thousand balls. all of them, but got the hook. And just the fact that, you know, it was the Giants, I had to sit there kind of like quiet first because all of a sudden on the inside I, 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 I got a little nervous, of, you know, I'm a little excited about, I'm actually going to San Francisco, and 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 that's not no joke. Not saying that Houston Astros weren't a big league team, but they didn't have anywhere near the heritage, the history, you know, the power of a San Francisco giant team. So I kind of started thinking then, that first day in Bill Burton's office, how, how big of a deal this is. And uh, it actually just changed my entire life, uh, on the field and off the field, actually. So I was, that was one of the best moments in my life in baseball. Oh,
1: yeah, well, and it changed Giants' history, too, obviously. You know, that said, you joined the team – at a time where they weren't winning a whole lot of games, I know 1982 wasn't terrible, but for the most part, uh, you, you struggled for the first few years as a team. And I know you're a pretty competitive guy. So, how did it sit with you upon arrival how How did it How did it compare with what you were thinking that day it was going to be?
0: Um, when I arrived, uh, it was you know it was all good. It was so many outfielders. I mean, uh, I can't even <laughs> name them all. Martin Clark. Chili got called up. Max Venable. Yeah, Billy North. I mean, it is a. a I mean, a, a log jam. So, <laughs> so one day, uh, Frank Robinson called us in the office. So all the officers are in the office. He goes, "Okay, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to start three of you guys. Whoever has the worst game isn't playing the next day." So we all look around. We all went, oh, "Okay, okay, fine, all right, whatever." <laughs> So so you know, everybody was taking it, you know, in stride. Whoever has the bet the worst game is it, it, you know, it's over. So the meeting is getting ready to break up and go, I have a question. Frank goes, Yeah, what is it? I go, Well, let's say for instance, you know, Jack goes three for four with a double and you know, I heard it on somebody, you know, gets three or four hits and then I only get one but I get the game winning three-run Homer. Who's not playing the next day? <laughs> if, you know, if, if you know anything about Frank Rollins, Frank Rollins pointed at me, to Get the. <laughs> get out of my office. Exactly.
2: So that's exactly. how we started.
0: <laughs> that's how we started, man. And then, you know, as history, you know, things, you know, uh, the following season, you know, um, they made some trades, and guys left and everything, and, um, and, 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 that, and that union of um, Jack Clark, who to Davis, and myself, started. Um, but uh, that losing was rough. I mean, uh, it was exciting for me to be there to, to, you know, to get my feet in bed and, and, and get some stuff, foundation and establish myself. So losing was one thing, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's nine individual plans. So I had to get mine. You know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The, the, the losing hurts. So as we went along, especially in 1985, when we lost 100 games, yep. <laughs> going yep. going to play in those in that year in those years were tough because you know the 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 uh, the fans were you know thin, but the five or six hundred people they had out there were loud. Right. <laughs> they let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him, man. But um, deep down inside, in you know, a lot of us, it it meant something. We had a fire burning inside, uh, and I believe really I tell you, man, it's it like it was embarrassing. Um, but when I look back, even then, we we said, you know what? We needed that to do what we did after. We needed something to ignite. We had to get the right people in here, you know. We, you got tired of hearing about the cold and the wind blowing and all the rest of that stuff. So when Roger Craig came, that was probably one of the one of the best entries of a manager I I've ever seen he, when he came into the clubhouse. Whoa, yeah. he came in smoking, man. He came in there, man, and whoever doesn't want to be here, raise your hand and all this and I'm this and I'm that. This is the way it's going to be, and, and the and the room was quiet. So I'm just standing up there going like, okay, who's this dude looking like a big old cowboy? I'm going, wow, really? He's going on and on and on. So he actually, you know, he has to go down as the guy that 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 changed the culture of uh, the mindset of baseball players in baseball in San Francisco. Because uh, the following year, we had you know a, you know a better year, and then that led into the '87. So you know those teams from that team from '85, '6 to '7 actually started that movement because everything changed after that. So Roger Craig, um, he came in. He was a tremendous motivator, and he he laid the ground rules down. We had to change how we wore our uniforms. We had to you know try to use the cold to our advantage, and knowing that when guys come in, you know, for a three-game set, they want to get the hell out of there. So we had to use that. And uh, I won't stay too long on that, but I, I I have to give you this this last part of the story. So yeah. so we're all in the we're all in the clubhouse, and he goes, "Yeah, you know, no more high stirrups. I want to see black three inches of black socks." And we all go, "Oh my goodness!" You had to change his pants, and he goes on and on and on and on. So we thought the meeting was over, and he goes, "Oh, one more thing." Now at the time. I was known for wearing my hat backwards. Yes. So I had it on backwards during this meeting. And he goes, and we're also going to wear our hat correctly. So when he <laughs> said that, all the heads in the clubhouse, Kuko, all of them, they all just shifted towards me.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was directly talking to me. I was like, what? So he like, so, everybody, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You going to change your hat around? What are you going to do? I said, man, you know what? I, I need to think about it. So, the so <laughs> time is on the field. So, um, no. Uh, Al Rosen brings Roger Craig around to everybody's locker. He meets you one-on-one. So, he gets to my locker. And he says, he says, you know, this is one of the hardest decisions I had to make. I, I had a discussion with my family the night before. I go, really, yes. And I was told that, you know, you're going, you can't make him turn his hat backwards, one of his family members said. And um, so I do understand. He said, but I would really, really appreciate you doing it, um, you know, just to let everybody know that you're on board. And I looked at him and i you like, right where I said, yeah, okay, all right. So everybody goes on the field. And I'm sitting in my waiting. waiting. I waited, I waited, I waited, I waited, I waited so I'm the last one that's going to come out of that tunnel. So when I came out of that tunnel, when I got to the tunnel, my hat was on backwards. When I took that first step out of there, <laughs> everybody's looking, and I turned my hat around, you know, the right way, you know, just to let them know that, uh, you know, I was on board. So that was a that was a funny moment, but a powerful moment all at the same same time because. And, and that little bit of time, in, in, through his introduction, and through his meeting, and, and the words that he spoke, I really felt them. So um, that's what turned me around at that point. So I was on yeah. board.
1: You know, uh, maybe that was step one in what became a really special relationship. I know you and Hum Baby. That was that was that was a very good relationship. In in your mind, what made it work? Why was it so special?
0: You know, we, we had this thing where, you know, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, man. I was like, he kind of knew what I was thinking, and I knew what he was thinking. I mean, a, a lot of times when I was on base, I basically never looked at the third base coach. I would peep into the dugout and look at him. And he'd give me a nod or, or a hand gesture or a finger gesture, and I just stole the base. I would go we, we, we had something going on like that. I would actually sit on the bench and he used to stand over there, you know, where they stood um, outside the dugout there and he would make a move or, you know, make a change or a pitch hit and I would kind of like glance over there at him and I'd be damned if, if he wasn't glancing at me. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy, man. And every time we talked and spoke, you know, it was always problem. When he spoke, he spoke with authority. He spoke with words that, you know, you, you believe and you want to jump on it and use it and go forth. And, um, that just carried over. We had a special thing like that, where it didn't take a whole lot of speaking or talking, Few words here and there, bam, bam, bam. It's over. And that's the way, uh, Roger and I just went, you know, went after it. And he was very complimentary. He was, you know, he would tell me things and, um, he always kept me going. Yes, he always kept me going. But I, I, I ended up, and I grew to respect him. I mean, very, very highly. Yeah, I,
1: I, I mean, it's interesting because the way you talk about him, you can tell you saw him as such a leader. But I know that uh, that the team looked to you for leadership as well, um, and, and in fact. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's always been talk. I think of your clubhouse presence. I read when the Giants, and this is years later, when the Giants traded you, you were quoted as saying, "They're going to miss my leadership. They'll miss my voice." So you're kind of describing what Roger was like to the team. But what about yourself? Like, how would you describe your leadership style?
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> my leadership style was, I, I guess, I was kind of vocal. Um I wasn't the guy that's gonna try to candy coat anything. Uh I would tell this just like it is. Um I you know you know listen, one thing I learned early from my father, learn the entire game, which simply means that if you learn if you know the whole game and all the positions and, 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 and all their functions, you always have something to say to every player on the team. So I had to do it by example. I had to go out there and run through all my stuff to let you know, this is what I expect you to do. I don't want to hear no bitching about the, you know, the weather, the wind, and all this other stuff, man. We, we all have, have been embarrassed at one point or another. <laughs> playing out here with hot dog wrappers and all that. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was the kind of guy that would get up in your face and challenge you. But at the same time, you know, you could challenge me as well. You know, I I was the guy that guarded, guarded the door from the media. You know, because at at those in those days, he had ten to fifteen minutes to come in there, and I wasn't letting anybody through that door prior to. Um, if guys tried to hide in hide in the trans room, I would go in the trans room and get them all out of there. Let's face the music. Let's do this thing. So I mean, um, one of the compliments, biggest compliments Roger ever gave me was um, one day. You know, I was in, you know hurt. And uh, we were playing the third game of the series against L.A. home, and he came to me, and he goes, listen, he goes, I need you, I need you to play today. I know, you, I know you're hurting. I know you're hurting, but just the fact that if you walk out there, you're going to have an impact. You're going to have an impact on both teams. You're going to have an impact on our team for sure. Just to see that you're going to hobble out there and just your presence, whether you play the whole game or not, just go out there. And I, you know, I was sitting in my locker, and I was, like, you know, like, honored. I was like, wow, really? And um, mm-hmm. that was the kind of guy I was. That's how they, you know, they, a lot of the players, you know, thought I was, you know, a little bit rough or, you know, rode them too much or what have you. And then others loved it and, and invited but But, you know, I, I was transparent. This is how I feel. This is what I want to accomplish. This is what we've accomplish. Let's do it, but you're going to have to go through hell to do it. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I mean, yeah.
0: I I kind of knew what to say to most of the players to get them going, or you know, just give them some encouragement. And at the same time, them knowing what to say to me, and, 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 you know, and all that, the way the press perceived me, and you know, all the things they wrote at the beginning, you know, was kind of like wrong. They they really didn't figure me out or, or, or mm-hmm. know me. Probably a lot of that was my fault, but. As far as my team, mates were concerned, whether they liked me off the field or not, between those white lines, they know every day I was going to war. Period. And they yeah. were gonna go with me.
1: That is a really interesting thing that you just said about uh I think the presence you had in the in the clubhouse, uh maybe they liked you off the field, maybe they didn't. The, the press certainly painted you a certain way, and, and believe you me, I think you know this about your presence. Uh, there were times, I'm sure, that some would see you as an intimidating figure. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, Jeffrey. This is probably 1986. I'm about 10 years old, and my mom gave me some money to walk to a neighborhood pizza shop. It was called Beethoven Pizza Charter Square in Foster City. A uh, tiny little place. It was like, like just takeout only. I walk in there, and there you are. And I'm a huge Giants fan. And I have to confess, I looked up at you. <laughs> I was terrified. I was I was completely terrified. But I also I was like, no no no, I'm not I'm not gonna not ask. I'm I'm gonna get up the courage and I'm gonna go ask. So I grab and I still have this today, Jeffrey. I grab a menu from Beethoven's Pizza, and I asked you for your autograph, and you personalized it, and, and you signed it for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if it was perception, reality, or otherwise, but um, I was let's just say I was breathing heavy when I left that place. I was glad I got the autograph, but I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's priceless. That's priceless. Oh wow, I appreciate that story. That's made my yeah, day right yeah. there. Yeah,
2: that's made my <laughs> day. <laughs> you know,
0: do, you, do you remember I,
1: Beethoven's Pizza in Foster City? Yes, do you I remember do. that yeah, place? Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
0: wow. That's pretty cool.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, I mean that's, you know, that's yeah. I'm sh- yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, they always said I didn't smile enough and all of this. I was sitting <laughs> in front of my lockers like, you know, I wasn't trying to keep you away, you know, keep the press away. They, um, they just looked at me and said, okay, he's, he's looking mean or something. <laughs> but, I mean, you know what, one of the best descriptions of me, and I forget who said it, they said, you know what, he's no more than a concrete marshmallow. That's all he is. He's just hard on the outside, pretty nice and fluffy on the inside. I remember that came out, and he was pretty cool so that that kind of described me um I just you know I just try to stay focused you know I had to do what I had to do to get ready for the game, and a lot of times you know, because I was a prankster just as much as krucoe and Kaibu ever was, but there was a certain point where Okay, it's time to put on my game face. It's time to get ready to go to war. And that's the way I took it. Um as, as far as the press, um, I had a bad experience in Houston, so I kinda carried that over uh in San Francisco. And you know how you get tired of hearing the same question? Oh, what was that pitch? Sure. Oh, you hit the whole run, you know, uh uh, you know, I mean, come on. So one day I just actually said you know what? I'm not I'm going to answer any more of those kind of questions. You, you, I'm getting paid to do that. I'm getting paid to put people out. I'm getting paid to score runs and hit, you know, and all that. The better news would be when I struck out with the was loaded. Wouldn't you think that's, that's more newsworthy? Find out what happened yeah. about that. So when I said that, oh, my goodness, they went off. They didn't want to hit that and, you know, and all that. But that was a decision that I made. And then from that point, uh, I don't know if you knew this, I took most of those guys out to lunch one by one just to sit down with me and talk to me. And almost and every one of them said the same thing. They said, you know what, man, we had you wrong. We had no yeah. idea you were actually like this. And, I, you know, uh, again, it was partly me. But at the same time, you know, I could have been a little bit uh, different, you know, looking back, but uh, I can't. So, it, you know, it. it it wasn't what it was. So, um, at the same time, on the inside, I was loving life, man. I love, I absolutely love playing baseball in San Francisco. There's no doubt about it. I could take Seattle. I could take Milwaukee. Oh, boy, Milwaukee. I could take the Dodgers. <laughs> Just it. Don't even compare to the experiences, I, you know, I had in San Francisco. I mean, it was like, um, mm, it meant the world to me.
2: Mm.
1: A concrete marshmallow. I am going to remember that one.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That is
1: a great. That is a great. Not only description. That's just a great nickname.
0: Like that should stick. Well, you know, it's better than picking a face. God, come on with that. <laughs> Do you know how I got that name? Right. <laughs> Do you know how I got that name? Actually. I do not know how you got that, man. How? Okay, so so in those years, we would go to spring training, and somebody was vandalized the clubhouse one time in spring. We, you know, if we, everybody knew it was coming up, so we just, you know, just just went with it. So one day we come into the clubhouse, and everybody has a T-shirt that has been. You know, marked up in some form of fashion. So everybody's laughing at theirs and they're going back, you know, on and on and on, picking up this, picking up that. So I get to my locker. I grab my t shirt out of my locker and I don't see anything on it except for a list of numbers at the bottom.
2: <laughs>
0: so <laughs> I put the t shirt on <laughs> and it have these numbers. Is this? I took a mug shot. <laughs> And Lowell Cohen, Lowell, Lowell Cohen was in the clubhouse, but we didn't even know he was there. And he saw that, and oh my God, it was like I, you know, I was in, the, I, I was in prison or something. These are my prison numbers, and I and I didn't really like that at that at that point. So it it just took off from that very moment, and it it went viral, I guess, in the in those days, and it went around. So that that's how I got that name. From oh, a prank oh. in clubhouse, and you know what? I'm gonna throw him under the bus, and the and the guy that did it was Dave Bergman. Good <laughs> <Get> old Bergie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh man! Well, I like concrete marshmallow, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that one. That's the one I'm gonna forget. Penitentiary face from uh, from now uh, on for sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, gosh, and then you know, 1986, the team starts to win. And I know yep. that uh, you guys didn't make the playoffs, but uh, Roger Craig's hum baby era, that's not just a nickname. It's kind of starting to become a thing, I think, for Giants fans. Will Clark arrives as well. What, what was all that like for the team?
0: Actually, it was great. I mean, we went to spring training. You know, I was um, just telling my girl Kelly, I, you know, I said, well, I got the same feeling that this is history is repeating itself because I remember they were calling, you know, Bradley and Cuco and chili and myself, the veterans. And here comes the kids you know, the kids are going to play. I remember that like it was yesterday. And I look at the current team and I see it's almost a similar thing. But anyway, back then, you know, Will comes in and I was cocky and I was loving it every minute of it. He was cocky. He, you know, he was sure of himself, you know, he, um, he had the proper mental, you know, uh, preparation as far as I was concerned. You know, um, he didn't struggle long. He came out there with a bang. And we were all like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 right after that, here uh... comes Bobby Thompson. he comes like, oh, this is going to be good. Um, but, yeah, he he provided a a, a, a huge spark. He he made a tremendous difference from the get-go, from the beginning, from the start. And um, that's the way I remember that part, you know, that particular year. So we knew we were on the right track. We, we knew it. We felt it. We weren't that far away. And I was just, you know, uh, honored to still have been there, you know, at that time and gone, gone through the lean years. But, yes, that was a, a good time in John uh, history.
1: Okay, quick pause to thank our sponsor T-Mobile. It's never been more important to stay connected and T-Mobile has taken steps to support customers along with frontline workers nationwide during these uncertain times. They've been amazing. T-Mobile responded to customer needs by increasing network capacity, lifting smartphone data caps and increasing data allowances for schools and students in the Empower Ed program. They've also committed to donate $2.5 million to over 100 local schools and Boys and Girls Club of America, which provides childcare for our nation's first responders and healthcare workers, meals for families in need and more. T-Mobile is committed to supporting customers, communities and thanking frontline workers across the nation. Visit T-Mobile.com for more information. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. No doubt. And, uh, you know, a lot of different personalities, but to listen to you talk about it, um, it sounds to me like it blended pretty nicely. Did it? How did all those personalities mesh?
0: I thought they meshed well. Um, You know, obviously, you know, Matt Williams and a few others still, you know, they had to figure out how to talk to me, but, you know, know, come on, man. (laughs) I would go to them. (laughs) You know, I would go to them and you know, and talk to him. You know, like if 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 Maddie took ground balls at up because he played shortstop in UNL and we would talk a little bit. You know, talk about this. You know, I'm walking around here, You know, with with Will and uh, I remember Robbie Thompson in spring training. It was phenomenal. I was like, oh boy, this kid's gonna get this kid's gonna be nasty. He's gonna be really good. I mean, you know, so it's kind of like. I I put them under my wing the best I could. I think I was a little harder on Will. Um, and I'm pretty sure that he'll say the same thing. <laughs> but it was all out of love and all out of respect because, um, I really didn't know that he was as, as tenacious as he was. But I found out shortly after that. And, uh, that's the way he played his entire career as well. He, Man, he was going to war every day every game. I mean, he was enthusiastic. He was he was uh you know, he was more than involved. Bob Bob. He was like, man, he had tremendous passion as well as friendly, as well as Robbie Thompson, as these guys started to come in and Chili Davis and everybody. I mean, it was just a fun, fun time, man. It really was. Chris Brown, all those guys. You shows up, like, Whoa, what's going on here? So we um we we really started to see the pieces, and then of course you know uh, 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 Roger made that trade, got that deal with you know, and, and, and we you know got Kevin and everybody like that. That was um, that was huge as well. The is uh, like the pieces were just falling you know into place. But the clubhouse was wonderful. I mean we didn't have any friction. We had we had the OGs, the old heads, had the young kids. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they were watching us, we were watching them. And you know, it, it was an it it was important, you know, in, in in certain situations to really understand and know that okay, whether whether it's being said or not, these guys are watching. These guys are watching how you how you handle the strikeout, how you handle the terror. How you handle it with the press? How you handle things? So you know, it was become a kind of known thing. You know, the Kuko and uh, you know all of us veterans, like we 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 knew what we knew that we had to set an example. We had to lay the law down, and we tried to bring them along and show them just how you you know treat rookies and uh, 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 you know. So when their time comes, when they become veterans, you know they would have uh, you know um, a blueprint.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned that trade, too, and I wonder how that kind of affected everything and and trickled down. And this is the following year now in in 87 when you acquire Kevin Mitchell, Dravecki as well. Uh, The lineup that that creates, I mean, I look at that now. You and Chili and Will and Mitchell, Robbie Thompson, Candy Maldonado, Matt Williams arrives as well. You guys were totally stacked. And I don't know if everybody knew what Mitchell was going to bring, but he certainly let everybody know right away. I know he homered it like two of his first three at-bats, but but how did did the clubhouse react to that? How did everybody feel with that trade?
0: Well, let me start with how I felt. Okay. Now, when we made the trade, we traded away. One of my best friends was Chris Brown. So... You know, I went through a little period of the morning. You know, you understand. So this was the only other time I wore my hat backwards. <laughs> so I come outside. I come outside. I turn my hat on backwards. I go out. I stretch. I run down the left field line. You know, I get my line of line. Left field to right field. Now we're in the Wrigley Field, so I'm just running by myself. Line the line. Line the line. da 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 so then I came around, made that last lap, and I came all the way to the dugout. And guess who was waiting for me? My baby. One baby looked at me. All he said was, "Are you good now?" And I go, "Yes, I'm good now." I turned my hat around, straight, and then went on in the dugout, went on in the clubhouse. So he knew I was done, but I had to get it out. So, okay, so so me and so Kevin and I. I don't think I even spoke to him actually. He um he comes in, you know, whatever, bam. He he hits the ball across the street over the roof. And I was like, Oh my right. god. Right. I didn't say a word. Everybody's right. high five in him and everything. I'm just sitting in the dugout. I was like, boom, 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 boom boom, boom next time I'm up boom he hits one person. I was like, Oh my god <laughs> I just sat there and he and we still joke about this right now. So Later on after the game, man, we, we were in the clubhouse and I walked over to him, man, and, you know, and then our relationship began then and then, uh, you know, I I was just telling him, I was like, man, you know, uh, don't take this seriously, man. No, I'm just going through a little thing. Uh, you know, I know the life of baseball. People get trading and, you know, they lose friends and all that, but uh, I'm very glad that you're here because, you know, at, at the time, he was going to hit behind me, so it sounded like Man, you're talking about having some protection. You so I was saying to myself, Well, shoot, you're not gonna hit me because you you're gonna have to face him next. <laughs> he had Will over nice. there, but, Wow. So life was really, really good, man. But that's how we started. That trade was a huge trade. Those were the missing pieces. It, it's just is it is it's just simply said as that. Those were the missing pieces. Roger knew what the hell he was doing. Him and Al Rosen, you know, it's kinda of like, Wow. And all of a sudden, it just clicked. The Life's just went on, and we were, uh, we were a team to be reckoned with. You know, I, I bet he really
1: appreciated you popping by that locker, too. I know uh, through some conversations with some of your ex-teammates, you know, Kevin was not very excited. He was not very excited about that trade either. It took him a minute to, to, to process all of it.
0: Yes, him and Dave Jovecki as well was like wow we're here you know um, uh, um i I spoke to Dave about this many many times and 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 um he told me he said you know what Jack? he says Roger came up to him and and just basically told him he goes this is the way it should be you are the missing link you are the one that we needed here and I was like really he goes yes that's what, he, that's what he told me, and it kind of changed the whole perspective for Deirdre Becky. As far as uh, K. Mitch was concerned, I mean, you know, it's actually he's leaving his hometown, uh, okay. San Diego. He's leaving family and friends. So I, I'm, I, it was really, really hard on him because I remember hearing a lot of stories as well. He didn't want to come and, you know, just going through all the emotional and, um, you know, all that stuff, you know, which I clearly understood, um, but uh, when he came out of that cloud, <laughs> the <laughs> rest is history. Yeah. the rest is history.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> yes it was. Yes it was. Uh, you made the All Star team that
0: year. What did that mean to you? It meant the world to me, man. Because I I I actually thought I should have been on at least three prior to you know not taking this, you know anything away from from any of the guys that made the team because uh, at in those days, they basically went on the stats that you had prior to the All-Star game. So I'm kind of like, okay. And um, I didn't make a couple of those teams, and it really, really, really bothered me. I remember one time I um, – I don't know why I'm remembering all these stories. You know how the players used to run from each line, you know, the you know left field line or right field line, and we would meet out in center field? Yes. And, you know, talk a little bit and then come back and all that. Wednesday, I came out a little bit late and I'm running my, getting my sprints and I'm running out to center field and going back this line. I'm out to center field and Mike Smith meets me in center field. And he looks at me and he goes, Hey, hat. He goes, Listen. He goes, I know you, you know, upset. Up at this particular um, time that he's saying this, his manager picked all the extra players, and he didn't pick me, and I'm from Philadelphia. So, you know, I was I was fired up. <laughs> and yeah. Mike Smith looked at me, and this is what he said to me. He goes, are you are you an all-star? I go, I sure am. Do you feel like you're an all-star? I said, I, I, I definitely feel like I'm one. He said, well, then act like one. Mm. That's all he said. And then he ran on back down, and I was kind of like still standing out in the center field and I understood the lesson. I ran back down the line. So it was over. I I, I I walked around like I was one. I didn't have to be on that team or, you know, uh, getting that notoriety. He put that inside of me, and and, and I lost touch of that. It's how you feel, you know, who you are, what your peers think. And that made a, meant a lot to me. But anyway, getting back to 87, I started um, – to get a little slump going into the All-Star break. We were in St. Louis, and everybody's on pins and needles, and they like, who are you going to pick, who are you going to choose? And I remember being in the batting cage down the left field line in St. Louis at Bush Stadium, and Roger Craig, (laughs) he came walking down there, and he's just standing watching us hit. He didn't say a word. So we all broke camp, and then I kind of like came out last, and he was still standing there. And he looked at me. He, he he put his hands on my shoulders, and he goes, "Well, you made the All Star team, huh, baby?" And that was my first time, so I was like, just about in tears. I was I was just you know uh, I was just, I was you know it's it's almost undescribable. I was so so happy um, at that moment, and it, and it was shared between um, you know Roger and I, and we walked. From the left field line, you know, back down to the uh, dugout on third base side, and went, you know, back to the club box. But um, that entire walk, uh, that that entire announcement, um, meant a lot. But so that was yeah. a that was a real big deal for me.
1: I love that. I love that. That's uh, that is a very very cool moment. Uh, more to come in the second half of the year as well. Uh, you clinched the division in San Diego where so many of your teammates had history, especially after that trade that you had just referenced. What did it feel like to be playoff-bound for the first time in your
0: Giants career? <laughs> that was crazy, too. I mean, um, it really was. Uh, it was exciting. You know, we going into new territory that uh, most of us have never been. Uh, but, again... The particular team that Roger and, and you know and Al Rosen put together, um, we had no doubt. We were, you know, we were ready to go, and and we believed that we were the best team. So it was kind of like it was exciting. I can't say it was it was nerve wracking or anything like that because it it really wasn't. It was like we deserved to go. We worked hard. we coming back from eighty six, a hundred game loss, in eighty five. So we had some fuel. And um, that's the way our team took it, and, and the veterans on the team, you know, made damn sure uh, those those thoughts were echoed throughout the clubhouse, you know, and throughout our team.
1: I can't wait to ask you this question. Um, I, I'm I, I'm really interested in the in the response because before we get to what ended up happening in the NLCS, uh, I've heard this from other people. I've never heard it from you uh this story about you being in a slump and in game one you walked to the clubhouse lineup card and you're not on it and you immediately got upset and marched into roger craig's office to plead your case to get into the lineup how how did
0: that all go down somebody actually told you that (laughs) is that not true (laughs) i never heard that before in my life really
1: uh uh-uh. uh There are stories all over uh all over the internet. If you look back at uh eighty seven game one, Aldretti supposedly was in the lineup and you saw the lineup card, didn't like it, walked into Hum Baby's office, and the story goes that he he said, Okay, you're in, but you gotta go tell Aldretti. Is that not true?
0: <laughs> all right, I'm gonna tell you Ma. My- My version, okay. No, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. I was just, I was just playing with you. Okay, so, so um, St. Louis, the hotel is right across the street from the ballpark. So I come, I came and walking in with uh, Chili, as a matter of fact, and uh, we kind of both glanced at the at the lineup, and I had to take a double take. I said, "Whoa, what?" So, Chili. He kept walking. I actually tore the lineup off the wall. Uh-huh. Bam. And you need to understand that uh uh Roger Craig was not the kind of manager that changed his mind often. He wasn't that guy. You know, and he had to respect, you know, that what he put out, you know, was what he thought was gonna be the best thing. And so it was nothing like that. I had other things inside of me that, that were that were fueling me, and I'll i you know I'll try to explain it. But um, I tore the lineup car down, knock on this door, uh, come on in. I go in and immediately I close the door. Pop, <laughs> <laughs> I go. <laughs> <laughs> I said some of these things in this room, man, and he was just sitting there. I go, I have to play. There's no way I'm not playing. I, you know, I I was pleading my case, you know, but on the inside, when I went through the uh, the playoff series and championship series on Houston, and Bill Burton elected not to play me, that broke my heart. That 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 left a uh, that left a stain inside of me, and I promised myself that day. That series, you know, the, the ending of that series, if I ever get in, a, in another situation and we go to the playoffs or anything like that, I am going to kick ass. I'm going to play. So I had all this burning inside of me, <laughs> and he starts talking about, well, you know, you were in a slump leading up to this and all. I said, Roger, this, this is a new season right now. This is, this is showtime. This is showtime. I have to play. So I just kept saying, you know, those things and so many other things. And then, yeah. then right at the end he goes, <laughs> right at the end he goes, all right, home, baby, but you're going to have to go out there and I was ready. I'm going go, no problem. I walked outside. I went to Aldo's locker. And he's sitting in front of the locker. I said, Aldo, you're not starting this game, man. I'm starting this game. And do you know what he told me? What? He just looked oh. at me, man. He looked up at me because he was sitting down. I was staring up. He looked at me. He goes, hat, you deserve to be out there. You deserve to start. Wow that is exactly what I already said. I wasn't trying to be you know any of that, but i it was so many so much going on in on, on the inside, just burning but you know because because i I was in a slump leading up to that, so it's kind of like but for me, that slump meant nothing. I know I kind of felt i just knew something I had to play, and um Roger gave me that first of all Roger changed his mind one and That's then right. um I had to go tell Aldredy too, and then I had to back it up, and that's wow. how it started. Yeah,
1: I mean, conspiracy theory. Did Roger do that, knowing that you would that you would get ticked off, and he was just trying to light a fire under you? Do Do you think there's any possibility of that?
0: Uh, I don't know, but I wouldn't put it past. <laughs> Roger, but but at the same time, man, it's it's kind of like a, a a thing where once the lineup is up, guys start to prepare mentally and emotionally right. and physically. Right. So I don't know if he would have gone that far, but it was early in the day because um, when I got to the clubhouse, he was only like five or six of us in there. But um, I wouldn't put it past him. I really wouldn't. <laughs> so he if if if, if indeed. That was the uh, motive. I didn't let him down. <laughs> yeah, came. exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so, check this out. Check this out. So, when I come out and I get through with Al I look over to Chili. I go, Chili, are you going in the office too? <laughs> 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 I'm just going, going in there and talk to him. He, he's all warmed up by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was funny. oh
1: man it worked it worked because man uh my gosh what a performance and uh, i i want to ask this to to begin as we get into the nlcs you shared before that the one flap down thing was something that you and some of the guys were just messing around with in spring training that year it wasn't planned it wasn't what you were going to do but how is it that it, it resurfaced in the nlcs that year was it when was the? When did the idea pop into your head? Were the Cardinal fans what kind of spurred it on? Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. I'll give you the – I'm trying to make it short. So, in 1986, Roger gives me an off day against the Cubs. And Scott Sanderson is pitching. I know, Roger, if you're going to give me an off day, make it against – Somebody like Nolan Ryan or somebody. You got me sitting on the bench against this guy. <laughs> this, is the whole, this is how the whole thing started. So I'm sitting on the bench. You know, I'm taking it easy, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so about the sixth or seventh inning, I believe it was, Robbie Thompson gets on base, uh, 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 Jose Uribe gets on base, and I look up at Roger, and Roger looks straight at me and goes, get on up. And I went, okay, so I get you know, I got my bat, <clears throat> but now I'm pitch hitting, and uh Sky Samson he hung a curveball somewhere, and I hit that ball in Brown feet. out the left. So I hit a three- one shot, so I'm running I'm jogging towards first base, and Jose Morales is first base coach usually he's there with his hand up you know for the high five thing. This particular day, he's messing around, so he's not even near the foul line. So I'm getting closer and closer and closer to the bag. And at the last minute, he runs over and throws his hand up. But my left foot already hit the corner of the base. I had to reach back with my right arm and, 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 and hit his hand. And when I made the actual turn, my left arm just fell down to my side. So I just ran him on the bases just like that, all the way around. But if you watch the film, when I got to home plate, you know, I gave high fives with both hands. So nothing's wrong. The very next day, Ron Sandberg and Thad Bodley approach me, and they go, hi, are you okay? And I go, what are you, what are you talking about? Am I okay? He goes, well, we saw your arm down by your side. I go, oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm, no, no, I'm fine. Nobody nobody, it was over. So we go going to spring training for '87." Kenyon Malala walked up to me one day. He goes, hey, Hack, you were that at home you hit, man, and you had your hands down by your side. I go, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, man, that was funny, man. I, I go, well, if I hit one them day, I'll do it. So, sure enough, bam, I hit one, and I, I drop my arm down by my side. That's for our team. Everybody's laughing. Al Rosen comes down to that dugout after that game, and he comes into the clubhouse, and he's all over me. What are you doing? You're going to get somebody hurt. You're going to get thrown at. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, put that arm down there. I go, oh, man, we're we, we just having fun. So about a couple of weeks later, Kuko brings it up again. I hit another one. Boom. So I do it again in spring training. Here comes Al Rowe. He says, okay, you can handle it. You got it. I go, Al, we're just, we're just having fun, man. I, I wasn't trying to show nobody up and all that. All right, so that was it. So then we go, you know, like, like you said, you know, we start playing the season. I didn't do it again. So until the um, the game that we won in San Diego, when we clinched it, I hit a, a a home run to tie the game. And for some reason, I hit first base. I was coming around, just approaching second base, and Gary Templeton started. <laughs> he started stare, something to me. I couldn't quite make it out, so I just dropped my arm. Damn. And he fell out laughing. So I came around, <laughs> and uh, nobody said a word, man. No one said a word. So we go to St. Louis uh, for the um, you know you know the series and everything, and um, we kind of like didn't like how far up they had our people sitting, and you know the seats. We thought they should have been up you know, a little bit better seats and all that. I just happened to make a comment. I just said, wow, man. If I hit a home run today. I'm going to take nine years to get around these bases. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm going to soak this thing. Everybody laughing. Uh, That's the normal stuff that we did. So I hit the the ball, and I hit first base, and it just kicked in. Bam! I dropped my arm. So I'm coming around, and Tommy Hurd is looking at me. I hit second. Ozzie Smith is all pissed off. So I come around and hit third, Pendleton. So so then I hit my man. Uh, <laughs> I just started almost walking from home to third. I mean, home, no, third to home. So I get off almost at home plate, and Pena is looking at me like he wants to fight. So I hit the plate. I had no idea it would have that kind of, you know, impact. I wouldn't even think about that. So I came around there, and my team, you know, we were going ecstatic, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I right, so I said, Wow, if they have that kind of effect, if I, if I hit another one, I'm going to do it again, just to piss these <laughs> people off. If they have that kind of effect, so the next day, I'm going to do it again. So I come shooting around here again, man, and they're going, all. Oh, I mean, these fans were all over me, man. I mean, they were, oh, my God. So I came around, whatever. So we take the flight back home to San Francisco. And uh, Joe Garagiola, the Sr. wants to do an interview. So we start to do the interview, and he starts asking all these questions, and you know, on and on and on and on. He goes, What do you call it? And I, I went, ooh, ooh, ooh. What do you call what? He says, What do you call that thing that you do with your arm? I go, I wasn't even thinking about it. I go, Oh, oh, I, I don't know. I
2: just
0: I just tip it around the bases. I, I, I don't know. He goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes it, It's more like a one slap down. Uh, 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 you have one slap down. I go whatever, man. He named it. Joe Garages, oldest senior, named it once. Left now, it wasn't me, right? So, <laughs> you know, history has it. You know, so now I'm back. I'm back home. So you know, if I hit one, I have to do it now because know. Right. known. So I, I got posted and all kind of stuff out there and everything. So then I hit it, <laughs> and I go around again. So <laughs> that that's basically <laughs> what it was. So. um I was just you know it it was it was fun to, you know me it, it it was fun for our team and all that and um but uh that's how it was birthed. How did the
1: home crowd react to it in that game three you as you hit your third of the
0: series man how did yeah how did what did they do it was one of the best feelings ever i mean i i I did it, and I came around and they were going crazy. One and two, and he's hit one to deep left center. And look out now—if it's gone, it is gone, and he's got one flap down. Yeah, look at his left arm. There
1: it is—the flap is down. And when he gets to third, it's going to take him maybe two, three minutes to come around. And remember, he now joins the company of Henry Aaron, Gary
0: Matthews, and Bill Madlock. Now he's slowing down. Four to nothing, San Francisco. Leonard, for whatever reason, looked over his right shoulder towards the Cardinal dugout, then over his left shoulder as if he were looking at the right side of the Cardinal infield. The hack is back indeed. Make a great villain wrestler. There he is. They They want want him to come out. Yeah, they want a curtain call. We'll see if he comes out. Make them wait. Make them wait.
2: (laughs) 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 Make them
1: wait. Oh, sorry. Lawrence Olivier of Candlestick Park. He's proud of his humility. (laughs) Yeah. Here he comes now.
0: So then I go into the dugout and I'm just sitting down and they will not let it go. I mean, old faces, everybody is standing up. So Chris Steyer looked at me. (laughs) He's going back. It's time to come on out here. And then I I saw what they had it on, had it recorded of me saying, make them wait. I was not referring to our fans. I was referring to the party Make <laughs> them wait because Cox has stepped off the mound, and he's waiting for, you know, everybody to calm down and me to come out. So I said, well, make them wait. So I'm just standing there. So Chris Power had to come and get me. So then I came out and put him in the dugout. I waved my helmet, you know, and all that. And then when the inning was over, when I went out to left field, it was – it was very, very touching, man. They, they, it, it was so much love, um, uh, given, you know, and shown and just, just, you know, just seeing how happy these people were. And for a long time, you know, all the losing and everything. And, and, and the fans were so supportive and they, and, and they were packed out in left field. So it was a really, really special moment for me, really special moment. But, you know, it, it was just one moment in time because yeah. I, I'm a team player. <laughs> I'm a team player. <laughs> I want to win, so you know. But um, the Teixeira question—it was—it it was very well taken, and they and they made me feel very very stressful.
1: Well, you had to know this was coming too, as all that's going on and the fans are going nuts. Uh, you you got to know what the Cardinals are, are are doing, and and later in that game they did it. Bob Force nails you in the back. You you look like you just kind of took it in stride. Were there, were there any hard feelings in the moment?
0: You know what? Um, being a Giant player and, and, you know, all the years that I was there and going through all the dodgers Giant confrontations, we already, you know, it's being thrown at and getting hit. I just assumed that I'm, I'm going to get hit or thrown at. Because that, that, that's a compliment. Getting knocked on your butt, getting hit and all that. They had to do something. But my my problem with with it was is that Mister Force didn't even throw hard enough to even do anything. <laughs> 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 he hit me. I go okay, you know. It's like come on, dude, you know. So I went down to the base. No, but I I didn't. It didn't do anything for me. I I was you know what I wasn't raised like that. Somebody knocks me down, I get my ass back up and, and and try to take care of business. In this particular point, you know. Uh, situation the ball hit me so i had you know i had to go to first but no i didn't have no illness. and as a matter of fact um we spoke about that you know years after but um nah it didn't mean anything uh you know in game, the,
1: the the other compliment they gave you which was in game four is that they just kind of gave up they started to walk you uh <laughs> but one of the you know one of the few pitches you saw bang another home run I wonder, as you're going through this whole experience, one flap down, all the fans, all the frustration from St. Louis, tell me what's also happening at the plate because you're, you're completely in the zone. So what did it feel like at the plate in those first four games?
0: At the plate, um, it was kind of like automatic pilot. You know, it, when hitters go to the plate, you know, you have these little routines where, you know, you look down at the third base box, get your sign, and then you go through whatever you do, some dry swings or whatever, tap your shoes, you get in the box, you you know, whatever routine you have, that's when you do it. You you get the sign, and then you take a moment to uh, process what he wants you to do or or whatever. Uh, If you're on your own, you know, you try to come up with, with, you know, with a bat plan. So um, all that was clicking. It was like automatic pollen. When, when I got into the, you know, in a batter's box, it was kind of like, you know what, you look at most, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of hitters go to the hit, and if you ask them, are you hitting off the pitcher or are the, or is the pitcher pitching to you? Most hitters would always say, I'm hitting off the pitcher. Well, I, I never thought like that. I, I switched it. I said, this pitcher is pitching to me. He has to get me out. And he better not make a mistake. I didn't want to worry about what he had because if I flipped it back instead, I'm hitting off the pitcher. Oh my God, he has the slider, he has the changeup, he has a curve, he has a four ball. I don't worry about all that. No, 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 no. I'm the baddest person in the confrontation. You got to get me out there, and you better bring your best. That's what I was feeling. So you know, that outside of the fact that I was seeing the ball as good as I ever saw it, is they look like big old pizzas or something man <laughs> but um you know um i had dealt with so much you know adversity and 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 you know uh you know fans and just just so much in my career i was you know trained to deal with all of that you know the people ask me you know oh, it's always not that bad you know how do you handle all that peppling and that about throwing cowbells and all that so one day and i'm sorry I'm I'm getting on track, but this is a good story. So one day, uh, no, Kevin, go for comes, it. Kevin comes up to me. And he goes, Hack, it ain't that bad, man. No way. I go, <laughs> i think, I go, Kevin, you know what? I don't think it is either. I go, I'll tell you one thing. You want to find out? He goes, yeah. So we switched jackets. He put on my jacket and said, Hack, man, and I put on his. And we got to that <laughs> third step of Witchfield dugout. And I go, you ready to go out here? He goes, yeah. The moment we stepped on that asshole first, those fans went crazy. So Kevin kind of like <laughs> walking facing the field. I started jogging down the left field line wearing his jacket, and they were lighting him up. The next thing I know, I look back, and Kevin <laughs> was running full speed at me Give me my jacket! Give me my jacket! Give me my jacket! So Kevin was chasing me all the way around the field. So we went all the way around. <laughs> And he was paying the whole thing. <laughs> <money. laughs> and then I took my jacket off and I gave it to him. Okay, Leonard, you son of a bitch. And they went on and on and on. <laughs> but he said, God, don't <laughs> Dude. It was awful, man. It was awful. But it was funny for oh, me. It yeah, was funny. It was funny. Look at it like this. I, if anything... It might have taken some of the pressure off, you know, some of the other guys because they were so focused on trying to rattle me, man. Leonard. I didn't care one bit. Right. I didn't care.
1: What a series! What a series! And uh, you know, you didn't homer in Game Five, but you said it a second ago. You're a team guy. You guys take a three to two lead. You're one step away from the World Series. You guys are on a plane to St. Louis. How was that flight? Because I have to imagine at that point you guys are feeling pretty optimistic that you're
0: on your way. Man, look here, you you, you bet you. We kind of like yeah, oh, yeah. We know we started looking at you know, uh, being fitted for our rings and all kind of stuff, and we know we gonna win this. There's no because in our minds there's no possible way they're gonna be us two in a row. It is like was like, get out of here. Um, Right, so I I, I I can't even describe it to you, man. We got there and we talking about one nothing and all this kind of stuff. We were like, "What?" And um, we still kept our heads up, but we'll we'll just win tomorrow. And um, oh god, it was, uh, <laughs> it was it was it was I, you know I'm in left field, right? So when the Kendo hit that ball, <laughs> I was like, mm. "What?" I just stood there, man, and watched the ball go over my head for a home run, a three-run shot. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. And, you know, they were lighting us up. They were going crazy. Um, There was a part uh, before the game, you know, because uh, it was Adley Hamaker's start. And that's the way we had done things, you know, that entire season. You know, if it was your start, you're pitching. But unlike – it is today, Kruko was ready to pitch. And uh, he he made that clear to Roger. He said, Roger, I'm, I'm good to go. And um, I don't even know if I should to be telling you this. I don't even know. Should I? <laughs> right, go for it. We'll find out later. <laughs> so, so Roger looked at Mike Kruko and told Mike Kruko, he said, no. We're going to win this game, and you're going to throw the first game in the World Series. That's the kind of team we had. That's the kind of confidence we had in everyone. So, you know, I know the fans were, you know, and the media tried to make a little a little thing out of that. You know, why didn't Kruko start and da 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 But Roger Craig stayed true to, you know, what got us there. And it was at least start. Nobody on earth could have ever thought Jose Altuve is going to hit a 3 word shot. It was like you know, right. so it, you know, it 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 happened like that. So we were crushed, and you know, I kind of you know you have to give kudos to to the problem. To this day, we were the better team, no doubt about it. And you know, at the, you know, the following year, I went to the American League and all that, and. I remember playing against the Twins, man, and all those dudes were coming over. They, they were going, "Man, how did y'all do that, man? we were expecting we, – we were getting ready to play y'all, man." <clears throat> all that they knew that we were we, we were the better team, but hey, as they always say, it's baseball. But so they won it. Yep. That um, yep. still haunts me to this day.
1: And I wonder what were the emotions? What did it feel like to win the MVP? even though you were crushed.
0: I'm sitting in the clubhouse with my teammates, with my Warriors, with my friends, with my family. So we were a family. And we're all sitting there as quiet as it it, it could ever be. And we were stunned. Like, what? You have to be kicked. There's no lie to say word. We were just sitting there, you know, thinking about that. Like, what? oh whoa 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 so we started thinking about the people of san francisco and all this i mean so many thoughts were racing because you if you were in the midst of it it was really 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 sick that we let our town down oh man we did it was just a spiraling of emotions and then all of a sudden these two little dudes walk into the door and they go hey we need we need jeffrey leonard and you know here he is he's over there and um the guy goes, uh, "We need to have you, uh, you know, come out. You won the, you know, the most valuable player." So, I, you know, I thought it was kidding. I said, "Man, you know what?" And you know, because we had lost, and he goes, "No, no, you, you won the MVP." All right, so I had to walk out. We had to walk, you know, go to the other side of the the, the underground part of the uh, Bush Stadium and, and go to the media room. And as I'm walking toward it, here comes Cox from the Cardinals. And uh, you know, I go, man, you know, good good series and all that. And then he shook his head and said, damn man, he says, uh, you you were the best player on the field on a daily basis. So, you know, much props to you. You know, it, he said it, it felt good, whatever, but it is like, screw that, we lost. So I kept right. walking. So I go in, I go in, I get the uh, the uh the big old cup and I'm holding it. And I was kind of like, I couldn't be happy. There's no, there's no possible way I could be happy. No way at all. So I took it, you know. I thanked everybody, and you know, you know, you, the, you know, the, the last player, you know, who ever won it, you know, on the losing team. Blah blah blah. It didn't mean, it meant absolutely nothing to me. So I walked all the way back. I came into the clubhouse, man. I just went straight to my locker, put that inside the lock sat there, you know, you know, gradually, you know, one one by one, later Because on, we were still in our uniforms, still shocked. And we go, Man, congratulations, man. You you know you earned it and all that. And I was kinda like, I was in tears, man. I was like, man, this doesn't mean a damn thing to me. It should be all of us. But anyway, that's um that's part of what I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Gosh, man. Uh, Amazing stories. And I, you know, you said something earlier in this conversation where you could combine all of the experiences you had with the other uniforms you've put on and it doesn't match the experience you had in San Francisco. And I think that comment sort of captures the mark that you left with the organization and on the fans as well. And, And it still continues to this day with the work you do with the team. So why was that, or how would you put that into words why was why was the giants organization different for you?
0: well I think I might have been asked this maybe once or twice i mean milwaukee was milwaukee <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Seattle had no history you know uh, um i was I was only there you know to bring to start Griffey's career off in '89, which was an honor, um, but it, it was Seattle. Uh, not saying anything bad about either of these towns. Now, what, now the Astros, they didn't have any history either. I mean, we, we had a really good team, so I didn't, I didn't feel, although I was in the big leagues, I did I really didn't like feel like a real true big nigga. It's hard to say. Now, with L.A., I came through the minor leagues and all that, and, you know, they had that team that was set. Nobody could crack through the lineup, so everybody was hoping to get traded or, you know, whatever. And they were the only ones that had rich, tremendous history, you know. uh, I can go on and on and on about all that, you know. But um, I knew about it, you know. uh, 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 I know how great the Dodgers were throughout history, you know, and so forth and so on. You know, Jackie. I mean, all, all of that. But I did not feel the same because I had not contributed anything. You know, in terms of uh, you know being in the big leagues and being a part of that history. But um, when I came to San Francisco, when I got the word for San Francisco, I was a little bit older, and I was I was reflecting, and I said, God damn, I'm going. Whoa, 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 whoa! I have the chance to of on the same uniform. <laughs> yeah and all these guys, man, I'm like, oh, and I kind of got a good nervous inside. I was thinking, you know, the history, the great, rich history of you know always having good teams, good players, good afternoon, good pitching, good everything. It, it was just different. So when I got there, um, I was soaking it in. I was soaking it in, and then I had to slap myself. So, okay, now it's your, it's your, it's your time. It's your turn to make history. It's your turn to, to contribute. And I gotta tell you, man, you know, I, I I I grew up as a man, uh, off the field, on the field. I grew up as a ball player. I really actually looked at myself as a Major League ball player. A complete, you know, Major League ball player. I no disrespect to any you know of the teams prior to and from um, two teams after. Nothing will ever compare to that. No 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 Nothing will compare to wearing putting that San Francisco giant uniform on my back meant everything to me. Period. And people were talking about, Oh, you phone it up you I said, man, you know what? The Giants is it. I I can talk about this all day, but it um it was such an honor. It was such a tremendous honor to meet all all my high, you know, uh Childhood heroes and, and, and Willie Bates worked with me. And I'm I'm, I'm kicking with Willie McCughey. I'm seeing why I'm mad. I mean, the list just went on. I was good friends with uh, a Dabby Davenport. I mean, like, it went on and on and on how gracious and how humble not only the players were, but the whole organization from Tom Howard to, to Bob Lloyd. I mean, all the way through the general managers of everything. After I left, it, it just continued to build, 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 build. And I was like, man, this is real. We ain't talking about no damn Dodge do I bleed, Dodger blew Blue, and all that time of the stole that shit. It it wasn't anything like that. It was it, it was way more powerful. <laughs> it was way more powerful than that. But uh
2: <laughs> but, um, oh, man. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a feeling Giants fans are gonna love <laughs> hearing those comments my jeffrey uh you speak about it being an honor it was an honor for me to have this conversation uh with you i appreciate it so much that 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 little scared boy at the pizza parlor is is all good now this was uh this this was tremendous man thank you
0: so much oh thank you for having me i appreciate it
1: thanks so much for listening to inside giant moments presented by t-mobile Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast presented by T-Mobile now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it.